everyone. Hi, hello. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I am sitting here with comedian and writer Joe DeRosa. He's had two Comedy Central specials, four albums. One's coming out soon, right? It's a double no, it's album. Out. I gotta, I, it's already out. I forgot to change the uh, thing on my website. Well, we are off to a perfect start. <laughs> it's not your fault. It's my fault for no, being lazy. It's my fault because I should have verified. No, nah, it's fine. Who cares? Does I know. anybody even? Give no, crap? I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, yes, they're they <laughs> yeah. they. Four they albums care. are out. Yeah. Okay. They're, but their fifth one will be later this year. Well, so mistakes were made. The double album. Yeah. Is that coming out? No, or that's out. That's out. That's yeah. the one that's out. Okay. Yeah, my website's wrong. All right, you guys. Yeah. The website's wrong. That's okay, though. It's just like a bonus album for them. Yeah. Because just four seconds ago, they thought there were only three. <laughs> Thank God. And I know. And the book Cheat, The Man's Guide to Infidelity, which you wrote with Bill Burr and Robert Kelly. Yes. And uh, you were a writer on the Pete Holmes show. Yes. And most recently, Better Call Saul. Yes. That's yes. That's all of it right there. Yeah. There's a couple. You missed I mean, a couple things. Oh no! Wait, let me look. Let me look. What I. I mean, that's not all of it. I'm just saying I'm just, that's I a know. lot of it. I'm just joking. I know. That's all stuff, though. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's good. Right. Not. You know. What. You know. What do you want to talk about? Well, there's all sorts of stuff we could talk. Oh my God! You know what I missed is your podcast, Down with Joe DeRosa. Yeah. Soon to be dead. Really? Yeah. I was just listening to the episode Emotional Hangs with I, Kurt Brownoller. Yeah, Kurt and I are doing emotional hangs now, um, and we've been, uh, uh, you know, farming it out through our separate podcasts. So we're going to keep doing that. I, I'd like to get that up on its own, mm-hmm. you know, feed or whatever uh, on a network or something. Uh, but for right now, it's like serving as like special episodes of our of each of our respective podcasts. But I, I don't think I'm gonna continue much longer with uh the down with joe DeRosa podcast How i think come? it's kind of run its course well so in each episode you would sort of focus on one topic yeah is that the part that you feel like is limiting or just you're over it i just don't care anymore <laughs> you know i i mean i haven't done one in like two weeks uh i'm just i just don't feel the urge i feel like i kind of got out all the mm-hmm. discussions i wanted to get out uh i got to do a sort of you know uh am radio talk radio kind of discussion show for a little while and it was fun um but i just eh, you know i didn't i didn't really see where else we could go with it i was just like it's not really a good format for for a live mm-hmm. show um because it's so focused on one thing and and that one thing has to be so specific to the guest uh, and I certainly don't think anybody wants me to just get up and talk aimlessly about a topic for an hour <laughs> in front of an audience, you know. So I just kind of felt like it, it ran its course once. Once I realized there were that we were kind of limited with like live options, I was I was like, eh. I also don't feel like wrangling comedians anymore. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it's a pain in the ass, you know. And there's enough podcasts of one-on-one conversations. They don't need mine. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do a new podcast but i'm gonna definitely go more niche i'm working on something now that'll be out soon and but it'll be way more niche it's way more of a niche nerd centric thing is um, it like based around a tv it's, show or it's something? based around based around the genre of basically horror and sci-fi movies mm-hmm. um which is what i kind of wanted to do originally but I, I i hadn't really quite figured out the format for it until now so that's going to be like the new thing. I don't know what network it'll be on or 
or where I'm going to do it or whatever. But for right now, it'll just be the Down With Joe DeRosa podcast will just kind of be like farming out some new emotional hangs episodes. And I'll do an episode here and there, I think. But I mean, there's 65 episodes. It's like, how many more do you need? <laughs> I mean, you've canvassed it all. I mean, you've gotten to the bottom of all the things that plague society. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much in the... Uh, I, I very much agree with the uh, Ricky Gervais like approach to stuff. It's like, you know, the sort of like you do two seasons, you do a 90 minute <laughs> capper and <laughs> and you move on to the next thing. Like, I don't I don't know what else to what else are we going to farm out of this thing? Right. Know? Well, I really the episode of Emotional Hangs that I listened to uh, was the, the third one, yeah. the most recent one. And I really liked it. Thanks. You and Kurt were so emotionally vulnerable in the episode and you even comment on that you talk about the fact that men don't usually talk in the way that you guys were talking because you kind of were working out an issue in your friendship yes yeah i mean we well what happened was um well the the show was born out of kurt and i i i saw kurt at a bar and he was we were both drinking and I ran into him randomly and, and he was doing this thing where he would act like he was going to hit me and then, and then he would hug me and tell me he loved me <laughs> and he kept doing it over and over and I kept flinching because mm-hmm. I don't think Kurt would hurt me, but he's a giant man. So just anything that big <laughs> acting like it might hit you is scary. Um, but he hugged me and then when he was leaving, he goes, I love you, buddy. We have emotional hangs. <laughs> And the next day, we were talking about it and laughing. And he goes, I don't know what it is, but that's a podcast. I don't know what, how, though. And then we t- we just didn't talk about it for a while. And then I called him and I was like, we should do that emotional hangs thing. I, like, let's just do a thing where we like do like questionnaires about like vulnerability and intimacy and maybe we'll like get counselors to come talk. I, I, I Like, I was like, I don't know. Like, there's mm-hmm. something we can do with it. And then, like, we did the first one kind of like that. And then, like, the second one was when Kurt was like, I figured out what this is. It's about two men, like, figuring out their friendship. Because so much of that started coming up on the first episode. We started talking about friends that we felt like had hurt us, Mm -hmm. you know, that we really loved. But we were too embarrassed to be like, it really hurt me when you didn't show up for that thing. And, you know, like, I invited you and you didn't, you know. (laughs) So... It was, you know, it was, it be, that's what it became. And it was perfect because Kurt and I are really like pretty new friends. I've, we've only really been hanging out for like a year or something. So it was like a great forum for us to explore this new friendship and like these things that happen between two people where you don't talk about them. And there are things that often in the, in the early stages of a friendship can cause the friendship to end, which was what the last, thing was because i didn't get invited to his wife's <laughs> birthday party and i was like if we didn't have this podcast i might have not talked to you again i might have just been like okay fine whatever well because the, the invitation went out like the day after one of your super emotional hangs right <laughs> and so yeah. the friend who presented who asked if you were going and you're like i don't even know what you're talking about was like it's got to have been an oversight you yeah. i'm sure he meant to invite you yeah but then and it then- turned out that he didn't <laughs> And 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 when we talked it out, the reasoning was good. Like I didn't was, feel yeah. in any way slighted. He was like, "No, it was like my wife's thing, and she loves you." But it, it was slowly starting to turn into my thing. So I just cut my friend list to one person, and right, like, and that, that apparently had been an issue that had, or he he was concerned that was an issue in his marriage. This idea that 
whenever they throw a function, it rapidly turns into 85 of his friends and like five of hers. Right, exactly. So um, it was such a... I loved it. It was like my favorite podcast thing that I've ever been a part of. I thought it was so unique. And that's also another reason that I want to you know, start doing something a little more niche and a little more focused because I was like, who cares about my fucking stupid opinions? Who gives a shit what my take on, you know, suicide or whatever is. It's like, I don't, you know, it's like, I want to, if I'm going to do a podcast, what is your take on suicide? I mean, I'm not against it, (laughs) you know, for other people or you, I'm not going to do it. I never, I don't have the guts to, which is probably sadder than somebody actually doing it. But like, I, um, yeah, I think a lot of the hubbub around suicide is p- other people being selfish. <laughs> like, don't you dare do that to me. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I get it if it's like your kid or your wife, but like, you right. know, somebody right. being like, oh, that would, it would destroy me if you ever killed yourself. Well, that's not my problem. Do you think... <laughs> I know that you're saying this semi-tongue-in-cheek and I'm taking it to a more serious place. Well, no, I'm but... kind of serious. Okay. I okay, mean, I'm good. Not being, I, I mean, I'm being like humorous, but like I am serious. I always felt that there was a very real selfishness with people that... Uh, I had a friend when I'd get really down... I, again, I would never kill myself, but like when I'd get really down, I'd be like, you know, sometimes I just fucking... Ugh. I'd be better off dead. Like, what the fuck is the point? And she'd be like, stop it. Stop it. Don't talk like that. You know how much that upsets me. And it would always kind of make me be like, hey, fuck you. Like, mm-hmm. I'm having a hard time right now. Right. Oh, I upset you? I'm yeah, the one like, considering suicide right yeah, now. I don't care if you're, you know. Right. So um, I do think it's a shame. And I do feel like it's, a, it's often quite a waste. And it's very disturbing. But, like, I mean, I don't think it's, like, one of those... You know, I don't think it's like a sin and you're going to go to hell or anything like that. Oh, I I certainly don't think that. Um, I think there were phases of my life where I I had this sort of cold, distanced view of it. Like if someone makes a choice to end their life, that's a choice they make. But now that I have been closer to it, my sense of it in general is, but it wasn't a rational decision that was the product of a rational mind usually. Right. And I don't know that you can say that across the board though, because certainly someone who's really sick and decides to, that they want to not suffer anymore, that's a different thing. I mean, do yeah. you feel like it's a healthy, it can be a healthy decision? Uh, I mean, I think it could be a healthy decision for somebody that's, you know, living in pain and, uh, you know, physical pain and, and there's no hope for reversal or whatever. So I think in that case, it's fine. Um, you know, which then opens the door to the argument of, okay, well, if physical pain's okay, well, then what about emotional pain? And I, I, I understand it. You know, I understand. I, I, look, I come from a very nice family, a very loving and supportive family. My mom and dad, and my aunts and uncles, and and cousins, and everybody have all come out to my comedy shows and been like very proud, and you know. It's like whenever I would say things like, oh, I feel like a failure, you know, they would yell at me to not talk like that. You know, it was very uplifting. So, And I would still have dark times where I'd be like, oh, I hate everything, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't speak for somebody that comes from an abusive upbringing or doesn't have that kind of family support and truly maybe is alone in the world. I mean, it's one thing to feel alone, then it's another thing to actually be alone. So I can't imagine 
feeling alone and then actually realizing you are alone. You know, what am I going to say to that guy? Yeah, I, I get it. I get I get it. If you feel like that's that's the that's the only answer, you know, this world is off also a disgusting, narcissistic, cruel place. I mean, it's it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. This shit town we live in. I mean, this is a shit show out here. <laughs> These you... people are animals okay. out here. You know, they're, everybody's walking around with a resume in their back pocket and, you know, uh, you know, they think the be all end all is that they deserve to be on whatever fucking, you know, panel show is happening <laughs> and their Twitter followers and, and their Vine celebrities and all. I mean, they're, they're disgusting people, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, I don't. Do you not count yourself among them? I mean, I certainly have my traits. I mean, obviously, there's a narcissism about me that I feel like I deserve to get on stage and have people listen to me. But this is also one of the reasons, everything I'm saying right now is also one of the reasons I'm switching gears with my podcast. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like I'm, I'm trying to get out of the phase that I was in f- from my 20s into my mid-30s, which was like your, your you know, your unrelenting artist phase, <laughs> you know, where everything is so serious and important. It's like... I'm 37. I just want to have fun. Like, I just want to have fun. Like, and if fun to me is making jokes about something as light as a trip to 7-Eleven or as heavy as a subject like suicide, well, whatever. But I'm going to I'm gonna do whatever one I want to do and I'm enjoying doing. But what I don't want to do anymore is do something because I feel like it has purpose. Is that what you did for a long time? I feel like that's certainly what I was kind of trying to do with my podcast because I was like, well, I can't just have a podcast that does this or this because that's other people have done this and this and I have to do. Okay. What's my take on this? And like, what's like a real show we could do? You know, mm-hmm. right. You wanted while, to have like, I was just like substance. Yeah. I was just like, who gives a shit? I'm a fucking lughead from Philadelphia. Like, no, you know what I mean? I'm not an expert on anything. I'm not well read. I like what I like. You know, it's kind of like with like writing projects and stuff now, like the stuff I wrote on a Wet Hot American Summer on the new Netflix mm-hmm. series. And it was just like this epiphany time being there because I was like, I was watching Michael Showalter and David Wayne in the room, in the writer's room every day. And they're like friends from childhood or whatever. And, just watching them get so excited about this concept and this idea that basically launched their careers however many years ago, and now they're getting to revisit it and the excitement about all that and them them just really getting it and it really being their thing. I just had this epiphany of like, why am I not doing the things I want to do? Like, we all, I think, spend a lot of time in this business trying to figure out how to manipulate your way up the ladder how to strategize and like okay well this is hot right now so i'll try to oh fuck all that man Mm -hmm. that's not what jj abrams did that's not what like frank zappa did that's not what any of my favorite people in the industry did like they made things that they thought were awesome and then the audience was like oh yeah we're the audience for that so i'd much rather spend my time um at like, you know, a horror convention with, you know, with tons of God willing uh, in front of a crowd uh, of people that have similar interests to me and just having fun talking about like fun horror movies and stuff. than trying to compete in this like big dick contest <laughs> about, you know, well, who was in the top 10 comics to watch 
And, and look, I'd be flattered. I'd be flattered if I ever made it onto one of those lists. Of course, who wouldn't be? But it's not going to be the bane of my existence. Uh, it's not going to be my goal. Um, you know, it's just such a circle jerk in this city. You know, everybody, you know, is so fucking important. And, you know, I don't know. I tweeted the other day, everybody, it's too many umpires and not enough players, you know, because everybody's just a critic and a judge now. And I read a story about a baseball. They were like this ump that was throwing people out of the game. And the fans were like, this fucking guy thinks we came to watch the umpire scream. At people. <laughs> we didn't. We came to watch our favorite guys play. And I was like, that's such a perfect metaphor for the entertainment business it's like these and for the internet sometimes yeah it's like these bloggers and these critics and these these people they just these websites and and whatever it's like and even the artists at times they think anybody gives a shit about their critiques and their analyses and their fuck off man like i don't care is this fun to listen to right now you know what I mean? Not this. Well, hopefully oh, this, is, this. No, this is. I hope. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But like, you know what I mean? Like, is it enjoyable or is it not? You well, know? so now you worked with Pete Holmes, who I think of as someone who has a very silly sense of humor, yeah. which I love. What was your experience like there? It was great. I mean, Pete and I were very, very close friends from the beginning of both of our careers. So it was pretty, you know, interesting and amazing to get to excuse me, watch your best, uh, one of your best friends uh, get his own talk show. I remember sitting in the room with him and and Conan O'Brien, who's, you know, his company produced the show. Uh, but I remember Conan coming in one day to the writer's room and like talking with all of us, but then like talking to Pete and giving him advice, I think that Johnny Carson gave him. <laughs> And I was like, this is so crazy right now, like that this god of late night is talking about advice he got from the god of late night. And he's now giving it to my friend who's like a new host of late night TV. And it was it was fun. It was super fun. And Pete always appreciated my like more spiteful <laughs> take on things. And I appreciate his goofiness. And I, it's good. We kind of bring it out of each other, you know, like. I feel like I kind of bring out his darkness a little bit more mm-hmm. and he brings out my silliness a little bit more, you know, so that's good. Do you think of yourself as someone who's too serious or overly serious? Well, like a serious word you would use for yourself? I certainly am, you know, somebody that has been described several times being wound too tight, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so that comes from probably Catholic upbringing, uh, you know, mixed with getting picked on a lot as a kid, not being good at sports and not being able to fight or any of the, you know. Hence the flinching when Kurt goes to hug or hit you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've flinched when people have gone to hug me before, literally. So, uh, you know, uh, yeah, so there's a cocktail of things that, that certainly led to me being sort of wound t- tight and on the defensive. And there was... There was certainly like a you know a, a bloodthirst I had when I first got into entertainment where I wanted to get on stage and I wanted to tell people what I thought you know they'd finally listen to me and I still in some ways want to do that you know I have stuff in my act still that's that's sort of social commentary but I don't I don't want to 
preach it at anybody. I don't want to hit them over the head with it. I don't want to stand up there and be like, I'm right and you're wrong and I figured it out. I just want to be like, you know, this kind of bugs me and I want to talk about it. Uh, or this is funny and I want to talk about it or whatever. Uh, and But, you know, as I approach 40 in three years, you know, it's not that <laughs> far off. Uh, I'm certainly trying to lighten the load a little bit, mm-hmm. you know. I just, you know. I don't know. It's like you get in your 30s, man, and people, you you realize you can just die. (laughs) You know, you're not like, this is the time when you're like, Jesus Christ, you can just, you could just fucking die from stuff. You know, it doesn't have to be a drug overdose. It doesn't have to be a disease that you contract. It can just be a thing that happens, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's a very frightening realization to me. So what made you realize that? I had so many friends and family members that died in such a short period of time, and it was this array of things, and they were all very young. You know, it was, uh, it was, it was uh, my aunt dying from non-alcoholic cirrhosis of the liver. It was my uncle dying from non-smoking related lung cancer. It's my other aunt dying from cancer after she had beaten it several times. It's my uncle dying of a stroke. It was. These and these people are all sixty and younger. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Patrice O'Neill, who was a good friend, uh, dying suddenly of a stroke in at, at forty or forty-one, how, however old he was. It was Greg Giraldo dying of a drug overdose. It was Mike DiStefano dying uh, of a heart attack after he beat heroin and all these other crazy things in his life. Um, I didn't know Robert Schimmel, but I remember Robert, like I was so like, my jaw was on the ground. I was like, Robert Schimmel beat like that crazy cancer twice and then he died because he got hit by a car. Mm. That one fucked me up really bad. And I was just like, oh my God, like there's no rhyme or reason to this. I have a lot of stuff in my act about this right now. You're not going to die the way you think you're (laughs) going to die. Probably not. No. You know, so... You know, it was just all, it was just all those things. Like, and, uh, I just started to realize like, man, it's, we're not in our twenties anymore. Uh, shit can go down. Um, so, you know, what, what are you going to do with, with, with your life? You know, what, how, how are you going to, I'm very obsessed with living the right way. And I don't mean just morally or ethically, ethically. Uh, I, I also mean, I don't want to, I never want to look back and be like, I should have done more of that. You know, like whether that is like drugs or sex or fun or laughter or whatever. I just never want to turn around and be like, I fucked up, man. I bailed out of that way too quickly. And I went this other road and this other road sucked. You know, do you feel like that about certain things in your life now? I feel that way equally about smoking. Uh, like I'll smoke like occasionally done it more and less. I I swear to God, smoking is the one thing that I think is the perfect example of what I'm of what I'm trying to say because I feel like there's the one side of it where it's like, oh my God, I smoked my whole life and now I have horrible emphysema and I'm dying and I did this to myself and what did I do? And then the other side of it is like, oh, I could have smoked this whole time because. I ended up, you know, it was something in a else fucking plane you. crash or something that killed me. I could have just been enjoying those cigarettes all those nights. I want, you know, yeah. I never want to feel like that when, at the at the end. Like I should have done more of this other thing. So I really try to, I try to balance it. Like I don't believe in sobriety. Uh, I don't believe in, I don't believe in drug avoidance. I don't believe in 
you know, never having fun sexual encounters. I don't, you know, hey, if you meet the person in your dreams and you become monogamous, great. Uh, If you hit a wall with uh, drugs and you have a problem and you need to stop, fine. If you every time you drink, you beat somebody. Yeah, stop. Um, But other than that, it's like, come on, man, like. Like, like everybody, like everybody's such a fucking stiff anymore, you know. Like, like co- comedians, like, well, I don't touch the stuff. Why? Well, I just don't need it. Really? <laughs> you don't need it. You, you look. I say to my act, you look at this world and go, "Ah, oh, that looks good to me." I don't need to <laughs> fog that up at all. It's like let's go. Well, you know, you do it just to make yourself dumb enough. Yeah, that's exactly why I'm doing it. <laughs> It's fun to me to get shit-faced with my dumb friends and for us to hit each other in the head with textbooks and do all kinds of stupid shit we would never do sober. It's an amazing release. And I wake up the next day and I go, I have a little bit of of a headache, but I'm going to muscle through it and I'll eat right today and, you know, and and I'll make up for it. But it's like, I, I don't know, man. Nobody has any fun anymore, you know? Do you have an addictive personality? I'm guessing you don't. I mean, I do, but I've never, I'm not like, I'm not a hardcore addict. I'm definitely somebody that can abuse things. And I could say, I can certainly fall into cycles of abuse, but like, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not an addict. I'm just not like I've. You know, I have a cart full of alcohol in my house at all times. I never drink alone. I'm never sitting there like, oh, I want to drink it, but I can't. You know, it's like if it's a drinking night, it's a drinking night. If it's not, it's not. Uh, I, I smoke cigarettes on and on. I haven't had a cigarette in a week. I don't even think about it. You know, maybe one this weekend when I'm drinking, if I want one, I'll have one. Mm-hmm. If I don't, I won't. Uh I love McDonald's. It's like my favorite food in the world. It's there's a McDonald's literally across the street from my house. I get it once a week. You know, like I love having sex. 99% of the time I'm very careful. You know, it's like so I don't know. I've done drugs, done cocaine, uh had a blast. Never felt the need to keep it in my house or needed it to wake up in the morning or anything like that. You know, it was one of those things. Yeah, it was around and I did some and it was fucking hilarious and fun. And I talked in the, you know, the kitchen of a trailer to some guy about Star Wars prequels for four hours. You know, who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Like, it was a great night. Can I ask a question going back to losing so many people so rapidly? Um I'm wondering how that impacted you. And I'm wondering, did you feel like that the world has no meaning or did you feel like it has, there's more meaning suddenly? <clears throat> uh, initially, certainly no meaning. Um, I'm trying to rect- rectify that now. Like I'm trying to figure out if there is some sort of rhyme or reason, to anything I am. I'm not a spiritual person. I'm not a religious person, but I am, I am into science and, and I do like the I, like the metaphysical stuff interests me quite a bit. So I'm trying to read more about that and see if, you know, I can find some sort of significant evidence or, or whatever uh, that uh, this is just one phase of whatever and, and or there are other planes of existence and, and all that stuff. That I, might just I be w- me getting older. I don't know. I want that to be the case. I can't fully. I hope so. I can't. If that were the case, 
do you think it would be that you could experience consciousness? Like you, you would feel like yourself in another plane of existence or just in a scientific sense, like your, your molecules might continue? Um, well, you know, realistically, or most likely, I would say it's probably just you 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 break down into energy or whatever. But you know, there are a lot of people that believe it's all about enlightenment, and you go around in this cycle until you finally reach the point of being so enlightened that you realize, like, I have lived these other lives, and I do have memories, and this and that, and then you kind of it's kind of like defending your life. That movie, where mm. it's like you're allowed to then move on with consciousness instead of like hitting reset. You know, I was talking to somebody about it today and she said, you know, if you're, she believes if you're a really shitty person, you you come back as an animal. If you know, if you're not, you don't. It sucks for animals. (laughs) Yeah. So who, who knows? Like, I I don't know, you know, Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, I feel like it's such a complicated thing. There's got to be, there's gotta be some other, there's got to be some other thing beyond this. There has to be like, there's been enough unexplained phenomena and stuff like that. I feel like there's got to be something, even if it's, you know, I don't know, just like that, that Thor movie where he's like, where I come from, magic is science. Like even if it's some (laughs) explanation like that, where I don't know, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would like there to be meaning. Um, I would hope because to me, otherwise then what's the, you know, I, I mean, people say, well, there doesn't have to be some cosmic payoff for you to act like a good person, you know? And I'm like, well, then what makes you act like a good person? And they're like, well, because it makes your surroundings better. It makes your community better. I don't just, I don't think that's enough of a motivator motivator for most people. I think like, and I'm not saying you should just be a good person for the payoff. I'm just saying like, I feel like we all have this weird inherent thing that makes us feel like we should be bettering ourselves right and like progressing not all of us but a, a lot of us and y- you know what what is the thing in you that says i don't want to be angry anymore i don't want to waste my time well wh- you know well, why don't you want to waste your time what makes the time precious and all that stuff i feel like there's something you know way down in the recesses of your brain telling you like you know to think that and to feel that and to like you know, why does man want to better through science and technology and, and all these things? You know what I mean? Mm. I don't know. You said that you grew up Catholic. By the way, can we use this as a crossover episode for my podcast? I thought you weren't doing your podcast. No, what I do now is uh, every time I do somebody's podcast, I just use it as a crossover episode. <laughs> so what does that mean? I just post it on my podcast as a special crossover episode and I plug your podcast in the intro. Let me think about that. You have to think about it? <laughs> Am I the first person who's been unsure? Yeah, no. Everybody's like, yeah, that's great. It's more promotion. <laughs> yeah, that's great. It's more promotion. Sure. Yeah. I don't make any money or anything off my podcast. So Okay. Then yes. People that won't hear this through yours will hear it through mine. Right. And then hopefully say, oh, I should check out other episodes of hers. Yeah. It's, it's a no loss. I mean, in a sense, it's as if I'm on your podcast. So then yes. Yeah. All right. That's sure. all it is. Okay. And it will be titled Crossover Episode with Allison Rosen as your new best friend. Right. I mean, what more could you ask for? I'm, I mean, I, I, it's, it's literally like I have, it's literally like I'm doing Frasier, the sitcom, and you're doing Everybody Loves Raymond. And I'm like, come over. 
it will just be called Everybody Loves Raymond this week. Okay. And it'll be me and you. And then you go back and have your show, and I'll just keep doing my show over here. Oh, I'm so happy I got a podcast down for this week. Great. <laughs> Did you plan on doing that? Nope. Just thought of it now, because as we were talking, I was like, God, as I'm sitting here saying I want to do a, like a lighter podcast, like I was like, we're really having a, this is like the kind of conversation we have on my show. And I was like, oh, wait, can we do this? Is, mm-hmm. Can I just cross? Yeah. That's what I've been doing lately. I'm really not feeling my show. <laughs> That's okay. Well, so anyway, to go back to ahead, Catholicism, sorry. before you accused me of only caring about money, it's, oh, it's by affected the w- me on a number of levels, by the way. Can I say one more yes. thing? This now will be the episode where I announce to the fans that my show is oh, wow. ending. Because <laughs> I haven't said it yet. What a seminal episode this will be for, <laughs> for them. Said it yet. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Okay. Sorry. So, that's okay. You grew up Catholic. Did you believe at the time? Um. Yeah, at the time I did, but I never, I was very resentful about it. Very resentful about it. I never, I hated going to church. I hated the idea of sin. Uh, I was so intrigued at at such a young age uh, with uh, pornography and uh, gangster rap music and and heavy metal and like just any, and and comedians, particularly George Carlin, uh, like, all that stuff at a young age was such a middle finger to everything that everybody was cramming down my throat, you know, because we'd go to school every day and literally have priests telling us things like it, holding hands can be a sin depending on what your intentions are and all this stuff. And I just, I just, I resented it. I resented it so much. And I remember also, you know, we were talking before the show about you and Jeff, Jeff and I were talking, excuse me, before the show about like, uh, where we grew up in Pennsylvania and stuff. And, and Jeff was saying that, uh, you know, I said, well, you grew up in a better part than I did. Bucks County was more fun. And, and he was like, well, when I was there, there was nothing. There's nothing to do. And it reminded me of, I mean, I remember literally as young as third grade being like, uh, like just feeling this like morose, like this melancholy, like I was like, I have to get the fuck out of this place. And, and where I, where did you grow up? Uh, a town called Collegeville, Pennsylvania. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with the town. It's a nice little town. But like, I just knew it wasn't the place for me. And I remember literally, as as I said, as, as young as third grade, just like after school, sitting out on the grass, like it was cold was sort of gray and just being like i hate school so much i can't believe i have to go back there tomorrow like hopeless i just felt so hopeless and i had no idea how i was going to get out of it Mm -hmm. and then college came and college well high school was the beginning of a major change for me because i started to play in rock bands and i and i started to rap and actually rap i started to rap in grade school but music started to become like an escape for me um but even in high school i felt pretty like ugh. and then i got to college and i'll never forget the first week of college i was taking a literature class and the teacher said uh something about the discussion was something sex related and like you know i guess by definition sort of perversely sexual and I was like, at my, I had two thoughts in a row. The first was, I can't believe they're talking about this in school. And then I went, oh, yeah, I'm not in Catholic school anymore. Like, this isn't a sin here. 
this is like a thing. This is like just a part of a life. Topic, yeah. And uh, and I got really, really into Bad Religion, the punk band, and that was like. That was it. That was like the huge turning point in my life was Bad Religion, college, um, and Frank Zappa, and just these artists that started to challenge everything that I was taught, everything that I grew up listening to. I got even deeper into George Carlin's stuff. Uh, you know, gangster rap was another, well, I already said that, but that was huge for me. You know, like the punk spirit and the gangster rap spirit, I just loved it so much. So it started with gangster rap early, and then and then that started my musical escape, and then and then finally in college I felt like I had sort of gotten out, and then I went off to the school called Kutztown in Kutztown, Pennsylvania, and I finally was like living away and like living on my own. That's and where you went to college. Yeah, well, not the first year. First year I went to Temple, and I was just commuting. Mm-hmm. But when I went to Kutztown, I was like, oh my god, like. I can do whatever the fuck I want. Like nobody's watching me anymore. And, and that's who, where I felt like I started to become like my own person, you know, who had been watching you before. Cause I know that Pete Holmes, who's been on this podcast a couple of times felt like God was watching him. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I felt like God was part of it, but there was something about when, when I got away from the, the priests and the nuns and, and my, I, my parents, I love them to death, but you know, they were certainly part of it because they were quite religious. They still are. Um, but yeah, I felt like the farther I got away from those people, Mm -hmm. the less God could see me, I guess. And I just stopped worrying about it as much. I was still carrying a lot of Catholic guilt. Like I, like I remember when I was in college after I would have sex, I would have like this horrible, like just process of like disease paranoia followed by like shame followed by you know it was horrible and it was like i finally realized like oh that's all like catholic guilt that's like 18 years of being told it's a sin and that like aids is a punishment and all these things you know um and my parents never believed that sort of thing but you'd hear it you know you'd hear it at school or you'd hear it sometimes from from you know in church or whatever and um and I just, you know, I don't know. I was sort of like being out of that stuff. It was finally time to like fully rebel. And, and I got really into pot and uh, I drank a lot and uh, I I played tons of music. What did you play? I had a rap group in college. I was in a band at first and in, in like an indie rock band. And then I and then I had a rap group and we we had the best time. It was so much fun. And what like, were you guys called? Which one? The both. Excuse me. I was in a band called Bernie Bernie Headflap, which is a weird name uh, <laughs> that has a story behind it. But uh, uh, that was really fun. It was like a very like sort of indie rock sort of they might be giants meets pavement kind of sound. And um, I played drums with them and I and uh, I, I think I, I don't know if I did backup vocal. I can't remember, but I played drums. And then, uh, and then I had a rap group. And the rap group was called uh, the the One Ones because my friend lived at the his building number was eleven, and it said it had one one on the door. And we used to write everything at his place. And but what did we, you do in the rap group? I rapped. Were you like the, the lead, <laughs> were you the lead though, or what did it was like m- a two man? No, it was, it was me and it was three of us. It was our producer, and then and then me and my friend Pat uh, Knowles. And uh, we would 
we, we it was like a tag team, mm-hmm. like a like a EPMD Run DMC style thing. But uh, but it was great. It was so much fun. It was just such a like great time and like experimenting with acid and mushrooms and uh, reading. You know, getting to read like psychology for the first time and you know in in philosophy and and people questioning reading like i remember this there's a sigmund freud book called the future of an illusion where he basically says the belief in god is is was what we were talking about earlier it was nothing more than to keep people in line like it would be chaos if nobody believed in god we would just be murdering each other but i just i mean whether or not i agreed with it like just reading stuff like that was so Right, just being exposed to I mean, that literally is something that would be banned, one, number one, from any of the schools I went to prior to college. And you, if you were caught reading it, you would have, without question, been told you were going to burn in the hellfire for even having, for even entertaining such arguments. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was a really, really big transitional period for me in college. I really liked it. I also learned the kind of people that I didn't like and the kind of people that I really liked and I, the kind of pe- person I didn't want to become and the kind of people I wanted to surround myself with for the rest of my life, you know? Um, and I was always just more attracted to the, or drawn towards the sort of artistic group. I liked the kids that were art majors. I liked the musicians. I liked some of the hippie kids and some of the punk kids and whatever. I just liked those people. Uh, you know, everybody like the Amber Crombie and Fitch crowd that they were like the squares to me, you know, and not squares, but I just was like, I'm not into it. Like the frats, I'm not into it, you know? And and now I feel like the same way. I'm like, yeah, those are the guys that kind of went on to do office jobs and stuff like that. And I just, I wasn't feeling it, you know, mm-hmm. I liked hanging out with guys that like, you know, broke stuff and stole dumb shit out of stores and you know, laughed about that they pissed their bed or whatever. Like, I mean, that was that was fucking funny to me. You know, mm-hmm. that was like that was a story. I was like, I'm leaving this place with stories. I'm not here to fucking, you know, drive a goddamn you know jeep with a no fear sticker on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Go to the gym. I had friends in college going to the gym. Like, what are you doing? We're supposed to be doing drugs. Like, let's... <laughs> I remember I did mushrooms with two of my friends the first time, and the next day they were like. That was cool, but we'll never do that again. And I was like, I remember thinking like, I can't wait to do that again. <laughs> like, That was amazing. I want to go to whatever world that took us to last night again. Uh, so I just, I don't know. I, I, college was a big time for me. Did you, do you have siblings? No. Only child. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot, a lot of not just priest and nun attention, but a lot of parental focus on you. Yeah, and I'm adopted. So um, when did you find out? I always knew. I don't remember my parents telling me, so they must have just told me from such an early age. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, you know, being adopted and and being the only child, there is a certain amount of you know uh, pressure on you to not let everybody down. You know. <laughs> um, so yeah. What kind of pressure? What do you mean? I mean, there's no, but they've never, first of all, that you, you're going through that first child process, whatever, you know, your parents haven't been down this road before. So everything you do is the worst. Every mm-hmm. bad thing you do is the worst case scenario because they've never dealt with it. Every good thing you do is like magic 
<laughs> you know, and, and, and just amazing and whatever. And, you know, like that's, that's a, obviously a, a pretty hard push pull. And it's, it's the thing that a lot of, I think, eldest children complain about. Um, but when the second kid never really comes along or there's, you know, to me, that's almost as hard as not having a predecessor because there's it's just, all on you. Yeah, yeah, it's just all on you the whole time. There's nobody to, and then also too, in those moments where you feel, you know, really, uh, isolated because you're not relating to your parents and you're not understanding why they're acting in a certain way toward you or you have nobody to turn to, you know, it's when you don't have a sibling. So it, it can be tough, you know, it, it could be tough, but there are benefits as well. I have, I, you know, I have a really unique relationship with my parents. Uh, I love them dearly and I respect them as my parents, but we function a little, probably a little more like siblings than I think most traditional parent child relationships. We talk very, speak very candidly to one another. Uh, it was a very loud household. You know, we, we joke very freely. Like it's, you know, it's like, it's not, it's, you know, it's not a stuffy relationship. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Did you ever find your birth parents? No. No, I've always sort of wanted to, but I just, I don't know. I'm, it's tough. I'm too lazy. It's a huge job to do. Right. I don't even know. And it costs do, a lot of money. Where do people even start with that? I tried. Somebody told me like to look up some of these, these like sort of, you know, you start, I think with like private investigators and stuff, but you, you know, I looked up agencies that specialized in adoption you know, it's and it's like any other business. There were like Yelp reviews and <laughs> there were like tons of reviews where they were like, they, they didn't do shit. They gave them all this money. I was like, <laughs> that was all I needed to see. I was like, ah, fuck it. Whatever. I don't know. I'll do it later. Yeah. So I don't know. When I when I have a lot of money, if I have a lot of money, um, maybe then I'll do it. But like right now, it's certainly not a, a wise spending decision. Um, something you said before I wanted to go back to, you talked about, um, <clears throat> just being super depressed in third grade, maybe super depressed wasn't the word you used, but in third grade, just feeling like, I can't believe I have to go back to school tomorrow. Um, I also had that, that darkness at that age. I remember, and I remember my parents would, or my dad would say to me, it's, he would say, that's the, what was it? The you're experiencing the existential angst of being an intellectual, which I think was right. insane. I think it was really that there was a ton of like turmoil going on at home. And I think it was, I was feeling it, you know? Sure. Um, but do you think like how looking back now, what do you make of the fact that you felt, you know, that kind of intensity of emotion at such a young age? Do you think that is that, do you think all kids do? No, no, I don't think all kids do. I th I think just like a lot of adults don't, you know? You meet a lot of adults that are void of any passion. Those are Abercrombie people. <laughs> you know, <laughs> by the way, I don't hate Abercrombie's clothes. I might buy a few shirts <laughs> over there. No, you hate their philosophy. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's the just... The life brand. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of like, well, you know, that's a good way to put it. There are, there are you know, my friend Dan uh, Schlissel, who owns and runs stand-up records we were talking about jack daniels once and i said i just like it it's not the best whiskey but i just like it and he goes it's a great lifestyle brand it's like levi's and i was like yes that is perfect so i think there are those lifestyle brands out there and i think 
any of us can dabble in any one of them, but I think the one that you really subscribe to says a lot about who you are. And I think if your go-to store is Amber <laughs> Fitch, you know, you're probably just not into shit I'm into. That's right, all. Right. Uh, but anyway, um, but no, I, you know, you meet these, you meet people that are, I think people are people. And I think, you know, we talked about this at the, at the very end of Pete's show. We were kicking around ideas for what the last monologue was going to be. And one of the things we discussed was this, uh, the, the, the drive to pursue your dreams and how this show was a dream come true for him. And it also fulfilled goals and dreams of people that got to work on it in different ways. And I remember, you know, I remember saying it's amazing to me that we're all here working together right now because we didn't all start in the same town together. We didn't all conspire to get here together. We all started in different places all across the country. None of us knew one another. And something in all of us said, we have to leave where we are so we can go to that place and do this other thing. And here we are. It's fascinating to me that that happens. And I think that also happens for people uh, that like that go into the military uh that go into it's the arts it's like the military it's 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 um uh, broadway broadway sure yeah yeah it's the arts and the military that's about it <laughs> but you know like there my point is is like you know a, like a like a military guy is a military guy and like it's they don't all grow up next to each other it's just like a certain guy or or girl excuse me you know, goes right. It's like a soft. That's the lifestyle thing. I want to be good. I'm good at that, and they go and they do it. You know, and it's it's so fucking ballsy at like 17 as you're approaching 18 to be like, I'm enlisting in the army next year. <laughs> Fuck it, man. If there's a war, there's a war. You know, or there is a war, and I'm still enlisting. That's amazing to me, and you know, it's amazing to me that people say I'm going to leave everything I know and love behind to pursue this other goal. Whatever it is, because it's all kind of dangerous when you do that. You know, any one of us could be homeless out here. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I- seriously, I mean, it's like I was listening to a interview with Jonathan Banks from Better Call Saul, where he said, like, he was like, you know, man, there were there were times where I said to my wife, I think we have to sell the house. And you're like, yeah, I don't even own a house. I know what you're talking about, dude. You have times where you're like, what the fuck am I going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, like. It's scary, you know? So, yeah. Sorry, it ended abrupt. <laughs> no, Abruptly. no, Sorry. that's that's okay. Um, I do want to ask about we are, what your experience on Better Call Saul was like. I also Please. tweeted earlier. Questions? For, yes, so I, I want to pull those up. Did we get enough questions? That, we, of course, was... I, oh, go ahead. That was just a whole self-esteem thing the whole day for me was looking at the Twitter feed. Did I get as many questions as the other guests get? Did I get less did I was this a sufficient amount of questions from the listeners? I feel like it was because the thing is, I usually always do it sort of before we go into just mirror everyone, and I only have time for a few questions anyway. Okay, so it was yeah. Now I think you got you didn't get what some guests. <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know what is in my throat. You didn't get what some guests get, which is who is that or some sort of shitty thing. Okay, so I feel great. good about that. I feel good about that. Yeah. So I did better than some guests, but not as good as some of the others, it sounds like. I think you might have done the best of all the guests ever. <laughs> good. Let me ask you this. Let's just pretend that's true. I'm going to ask you this. As someone who, just lately, 
I wake up and I'm like, I don't even want to get up. I don't know what, I don't know why a depression has descended on me, but the last few days have not been good days. What's your relationship with depression? I know it intimately well. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's horrible. There's a great thing in one of George Carlin's books where he goes, uh, the line is, it's my favorite thing I've ever read written by him. And he never said it live. It was just in one of the books. And I laughed out loud. I was like literally cackling on my toilet as I was reading it. But he goes up. He goes, people complain about depression. And he goes, of course you're depressed. Look around. You live in a neon sewer. (laughs) I was like, like, that is so perfect. That is exactly what it is. It's like, it's just this shit pool that we're all living in. And they keep flashing these lights like, look, it's not shit. And it's like, no, it's shit. It's everywhere. It's just shit. Um. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, yeah, depression and me go way back. I mean, I'm on Prozac, and does it help? Oh, greatly, greatly. It helped. It 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 helped manage my anxiety because my depression would manifest as major anxiety. Um, so Prozac really helped with managing the anxiety. It helped me take a breath, and you know, sort of just live a little easier, which mm-hmm. was nice. Uh, so I. You know, I'm a big uh, proponent of it. I, I'm not saying it's for everybody, but it, it certainly helped me. Um, but I've been in a belay, you know, like I, I hear you. I've been in a funk too. I, it's a bad time in the business right now. I'm talking to a lot of people that are saying like, ugh, I'm just, man, I like, ugh. Yeah, it's, it, it, in it's general, a it's a lull. Right yeah. I, and I've always, I've, I'm, I never like summer, like fr- sort of from now until fall in general as a time of year that I'm usually kind of not sure. at, uh, feeling the best, but yeah, I don't know. Sorry, I didn't mean to turn this about into my emotions. I want I to ask care. about yours. Please, I don't care. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, but I mean, I also think, I think it's, it's a, a lot of it has to do with where we live, where, where you live, I think affects your mood. I got depression for different reasons in New York than I get here. I got depression in New York because it would rain so much and it would get cold and the city was so overwhelming. It was such a challenge to leave your house that I'd be like, I can't deal with this today. I can't deal with like the fight of the city today, Mm -hmm. you know? And then you'd be like, well, you have to because your rent is $6 billion. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, and you'll never find another place to live, you know, so you better hang on to this one. So that was a whole different set of circumstances. When I was a kid, I got depressed because I didn't feel that there was enough for me to indulge in, in, in my surroundings and, and pursue my interests in my surroundings. You know, um, it's, it's, there's always something to kind of get you down. What is it out here for you? Out here is the neon sewer thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, you know. There's so much flakiness. There's so much shallowness. And look, I get it. I know I'm stereotyping Hollywood. Um, there are a lot of great people out here. There are a lot of really cool people out here. Some of my best friends live out here. Honestly, truly, I have friendships here that I'm like, I can't leave LA. I wouldn't be able to hang out with that person anymore. So there's a lot of beautiful stuff here. Um, and I think it outweighs the bad. But the bad can still get to you. And like the bad part of this town is... You know, just like the bad part of New York are the people that are like, get the fuck out of my way. (laughs) You know what I mean? I only, I have shit to do. 
the bad part out here is are, are people that are just like, you know, you're so great. I love you. And you're like, you don't mean that you, I'm never going to see you again. And you know, I gotta, I got, okay. Another day. Let's okay. Yeah. Let's go to this bar and yep. I'll meet another person that I have a riveting conversation with that'll somehow always come back to them and what they want to do. And then, uh, and then they'll leave like I just stole something from them. I mean, that's what's incredible to me. People leave <laughs> conversations in this town like they catch you pickpocketing them. Mm-hmm. You're, I mean, you're just, I mean, you're just into it with them for 45 minute discussions. Just like, all right, bye. Like, <laughs> what are you, 15? Now, are you talking about industry type things or social or that uncomfortable intersection? All right. I think it's both. I mean, I, it's, it's hard to not mix industry and social out here. I mean, everybody, everybody has a script, you know, or, yeah. or whatever. I mean, that that's it's funny to me how true that cliche is. Uh, and I'm look, I'm part of it. I can't say and th- you have the right to. I'm not saying nobody doesn't have the right to, but uh, I'm just saying it's hard. To, it's just hard not to mix the two. Right. But I'm asking when you're talking about having a super in-depth conversation for sure. 45 minutes and the person just leaves is that a social oh that's more social yeah usually i have to say on the industry side of things most of the people i've met in meetings are pretty fucking cool you know most of the people i've met are are normal people they're you know television right now i think is doing is in the best state it's ever been in Mm. uh like it's it's like churning out like when they were doing uh what, the, what was the NBC thing called when they were like, remember when NBC was like hitting home runs, like with everything, it was like the Cosby show, Seinfeld, Frasier, uh, right, what Cheers. Was that? It was like, uh, must see TV. Yeah. 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 Like several outlets right now are turning out like must see TV level quality. Um, so, you know, I, 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 I feel like, it's been interesting, like, you know, whereas the cliche used to be that you'd meet TV people and they would be like, you know, vapid or whatever. I feel like that's not true. And I feel like the TV people now I meet are really cool because they're doing like such cool shit. And it's like, well, cool shit can't come from empty, vapid, shitty people, you know, like it comes from people that care, you know, uh, and have good taste and stuff. So I feel lucky that at least on the industry side of things, I, and I've actually made some friends too. That's great. This is more of a social thing where, you know, this is a town where people are looking around the room. Who, Who's over there? Is somebody more important that I should be talking to? You know, and that would go on in New York, too, but just not to the same extent, you know? Right, right. So Better Call Saul, what was that like? <laughs> I'm looking behind you. I'm seeing the next guest. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's your segues that have made the pos- this podcast so... <laughs> So Warm. popular. <laughs> what was it like? Yeah. Uh, I mean, look. Well, how did it come about, and what was it like? I I auditioned for it. I got the audition the night before. I was super excited when I got the audition. I worked really hard on it, and uh, I was like, finally, like a like a kind of like like I've gotten to be in some really cool shit. Like I feel really lucky. Uh, I was, I got to be on an episode of bored to death. I got to be on an episode of Louie. I've done it inside Amy Schumer a couple times. Like, you know, 
I've gotten to be on some really, really cool TV shows that I'm really proud of being a part of. But this was the first thing where I was like, I finally get to play like, like a kind of like, you know, you know, some like I always want to do like a gangstery thing, and it was sort <laughs> of gangstery. And uh, so I, I was like so excited, and uh, and I went. I, honest to God, I went down. I did the audition. The casting director was really amazing. She was super nice. We worked through it a few times. But I left being like, this is, there's no way. What made you feel that way? Not because I felt like I didn't do a decent job in the room. I just was like, I was like, there's no, there's no way. They're going to give this to a guy that like, they're going to give it to like a the guy that has like fame or something. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I just didn't think I was like, there's, I'm not going to get this. This show is like. Did you see the other people who are auditioning when you were there? Yeah. I saw a couple other people and and some of them I was friends with and some of them have had significant more uh, mm-hmm. acting background than I right. did. So I just was like, I'm, I, I was like, I'm glad I got to experience. I literally, I swear to God, I literally said to somebody afterwards, I, they, they said, how'd it go? And I go, it went well. I go, you know what, man? I met a new casting director and that was a good connection to make. So I literally was like, that's it. And then when my agent called. That's like the like, perfect audition mindset. Yeah, I, I I was like, that's it. I, I just I was out of my head. And then my 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 uh, agent called, and they were like, uh, you know, you've been put on hold, and I think you got it. And I was like, what? How soon after? It was like the next week. It wasn't that long. Mm-hmm. And then like the next week, I think I flew down. Like it was crazy. And then I was we were shooting the first episode, and I was in the trailer for the first episode that I was on. And while I was in the trailer, we got the whole dates for the second episode. And I was like, holy shit. Like, okay, this is cool. This is like two episodes. So, you know, it was cool. It was an amazing experience. Jonathan Banks is such a great guy. Um, there, Everybody was cool. I didn't really meet any. I didn't get to meet like Vince mm-hmm. uh, or like Bob Odenkirk or any of those people. But um, but I, but the directors were all great and the writers were amazing, the producers. And, and my both my scenes were with Jonathan Banks. He was awesome. He was the man. Uh, so, you know, hopefully, ho- I hope I hope at some point there's more or whatever. I don't know, you know. Is acting something you want to do more of? Yeah, I like acting, you know. I like acting. Uh, I've gotten to be in some really, like I said, cool stuff. Like I got, I was in Grand Theft Auto Five. Oh yeah, what'd you do? Uh, I played a sleazy Hollywood agent, but I got to do motion capture for that. So like my, I'm like in the, I'm in the game, my voice and my face. In my body, <laughs> the wor- the the worst parts of me. Um, but uh, you know, it's like, you know, yeah, it's that stuff's like dream come true stuff to me. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe I got to do any of that stuff. So I'd of course would love to do more of it. Um, but I I think I'm, you know, I'm probably always going to be a stand up first. Um. And then, you know, an actor just behind that and then a writer just behind that, maybe, I guess. I don't know. Who the hell knows? You know, you're juggling 800 balls in this goddamn business. I just don't want to starve. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Let's take some questions. Yeah. Um, Let's see. David House Campbell asks, are we ever going to see you on Opie and Jim? Or were bridges burned? I don't know what that's referring to, except I I think I saw something a while ago. What what, what happened over there? Well, I had a I had a bit of a falling out with 
Anthony, who was oh, it was Opie and Anthony, right? Um, I did not have a falling out. Uh, with well, I don't know. To answer the question, no bridges have not been burned, as far as I know. I do know that Jim, uh, took you know a fairly hard piece out of me uh, on the air um, after he heard me make my own comments about what my opinion on Anthony's situation was. This was a year ago or I forget. It was a while ago though. Uh, And I've since heard that he's, you know, uh, on other podcasts, secondhand people saying on other podcasts that he's not my biggest fan. So I, you know, I don't know. Uh, I I have no idea. So the reason am I, am I understanding the timeline, right? What happened was after, Anthony's whole thing. You made some comments, and yeah. then that that did that, and that created the falling out. Well, that certainly created the falling out between me and Anthony. And I, you know, I've said this before. In hindsight, uh, I I still agree with the opinions I expressed at the time about that, which were that I didn't agree with the statements he had made. Um, but in hindsight, it. You know, I don't know if it was the best move to to just kind of openly talk about that on 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 Joe Rogan's podcast, which is a huge podcast. Um, but you know, I was my aunt had died, and I was going through a really shitty time, and a lot of his fans were really on me, and mm-hmm. and and I just I don't know, I was just like I just want to just stop this, so I'll just say this publicly and and just kind of you know kind of close the door on it. But then it, it unfortunately led to. Us having Anthony and I having quite a falling out, and um, what happened? Uh, well, I said on Rogan's show that I he was going down a road I didn't think I could follow him down, and I didn't think I wanted to be his friend anymore. Um, but then we talked about it on his show, and I thought we were sort of on the way to like patching things up. He said, "Let's get a drink." I said, "Cool." Um, he had like his producer reach out to me when he was in L.A. I was like, yeah, man, I'm I'm around. Like, let's grab a drink. Like, tell Aunt to give me a shout. And I didn't hear from him. And then the next thing I knew, he like hated me again. And How I did wasn't, you find that out? I was blocked by him on Twitter. So I was like, okay, that's weird. And then somebody that I was friends with that subscribed to the show was like, yeah, he's kind of trashing you on there again. And I was like, I what? I thought we were. What happened? And I don't I don't know what happened. I honestly I thought we were like kind of like moving back towards you know, maybe kind of ironing out our differences. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought the same had, then after Norton had expressed his distaste uh, for me on, on the show, we had spoken and I even said to him, if you, if you need to kind of shut the door on our friendship, I understand it's okay. Uh, I'm sorry if that's the case, but whatever. And he was like, no, 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 no. That's not the, that's not the case. And I assumed we were cool, but then, you know, months later, I heard Anthony say, I know for a fact Jim Norton doesn't like Joe DeRosa. So I'm like, okay, I guess. <laughs> I guess I'm not. I don't know. I have no idea. And why Why did you think he might need to close the door on your friendship? He did not approve of my expressing my opinions publicly about my feelings about Anthony. Mm-hmm. Which, again, I, you know, and I've said this since then. It It very well may have not been the right move for me to do that absolutely may have well may well not been the right move for me to do that or as if maybe it was or maybe it was okay i don't know 
you know? So, like, I don't stand by what I did. Like, I was right, damn it. I'm just saying, like, I was, that's where my head was on that day. I was in a, in a really shitty emotional place and I was getting a lot of grief from people about not coming out and publicly standing up for him Oh, when he got fired. And, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to grief finally... from fans like on Twitter. You mean? Yeah. Calling me like a worthless cunt and ungrateful and all this stuff for and having not said anything, not st- stuck up for him. Yeah. When he got fired. So I just kind of thought like, well, I'll go on Joe's thing and you know, like, uh, I can just kind of say like, okay, this is, this is just how I feel about this stuff. And like, I am grateful for everything that guy did for me and and everything, but I just can't, I can't follow him down the road he's on right now. That's all I wanted to express. But of course, conversations get much more involved than that and, and much more detailed. And, and that's why I say like, there's no part of me that like vehemently feels like that was the exact right thing to do. It was just kind of what I did at that time. And I even said to Anthony on his show, I, the next day when I talked to him, I said, listen, man, if according to the cosmic rules of ethics and all that, stuff, I go, if I shouldn't have done that, I apologize, dude. I'm sorry. Like, if I handled that wrong, I'm sorry. Like, and that's why I was like, yeah, dude, I'm totally down to meet you and have a drink, man. Like, let's talk this shit out. And like I said, like, I was like, honestly, really under the impression we were like moving towards that. And then the next thing I knew, it was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, all right, I guess. But when you I say, I'm, I'm just trying to understand this. When you say, you know, you, what you did may not have been right or on the, on the cosmic level, maybe what it wasn't right. Are you saying like, what was the criteria here? Like, because you, because well, he in, helped you by having you on the show, in, you shouldn't have. In Jim Norton's words, you don't do that to a friend. You handle it privately. Okay. Why didn't you call him and say privately, I don't like the way you're acting? And my response to that was, I tried to call him and I couldn't get in touch with him. And then through a series of other events that took place online and on social media networks and stuff, I started to get the idea that not selfishly like, well, why doesn't he care about me? I know the guy had a ton of shit going on. Obviously, he lost his job. But I did start to just get the sense that like, well, maybe we're not as good of friends as I thought we were. You did know? you think you were good friends? I, I thought we were closer than we were. And the one thing that bothered me was that, you know, obviously, we're both getting mentioned in every tweet that goes out, that hateful tweet that goes out. <laughs> um, and I just watched him kind of go down the list and and tell the fans to stop fucking with everybody and he didn't do it for me. Mm. And now I wasn't like butthurt about that. Like, you know, why, why, why not? I was just like, okay, I guess like I'm not a priority to that dude. Like, fine, okay. You know, and you know, of course the response to this would be, how dare you ask for yourself to be a priority to a guy that just got fired and is readjusting his, and all this. It's like, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is is that was just an eye-opener to me that like, okay, maybe we're not where I thought we were as pals, so maybe I can just kind of like, okay, back away. And like, and then it just kept happening and happening, and I was like, okay, and I hit a breaking point where my family was going through a shit time. I'm not passing the buck on that, by the way. It's just, you're just explaining you know, where, where you're, you're at. Yeah, your your vulnerability leads you to certain decisions. And it came up on Joe's podcast, and I was like, Okay, 
Like I just, I, and I even said before I go, like I am aware of this shit storm I'm inviting on him. I was like, I just don't, I don't want to do this anymore, man. I don't want to, I don't want to deal with it. I'm sorry. Like, while I also said that I was completely grateful, uh, and I still am, I fucking love those guys. Like they, they did so much for me. Opie and Anthony did so much for me in my career. They put me on. I will never look at that with any sort of, uh, you know, uh, what am I? I I'll never be you ungrateful. Take it for yeah. yeah, I never took any. I will never take any of that for granted. It also doesn't mean that I have to f- follow you into the fires of hell or whatever <laughs> if you, if you choose to go that way. So it's like. We're well, it just, sounds like it a was different place. That's maybe all. rubbing up against your integrity, like your integrity made you want to say that this is what I stand for. Is that right? Yeah, I think I was just like saying, like, please stop asking me to defend this thing because I don't feel comfortable defending it. Like, I don't agree with what was said. I don't agree with the actions that followed it up. That was it. That was it. And again, maybe I should have done that privately. I don't I don't fucking know. You know, um, you know, I got a lot of messages after the fact <laughs> telling me that I should fucking die, uh, <laughs> you know, and that uh, and then I'm that a, online stuff. Oh, God. Like was, you don't know. The it was like six that, months right? nonstop. It was it was just like, you know, um, you know, my album ratings and all that stuff are down to one star, which which has become now a promotion of mine where I'm saying like, you know. The people that hate me got them down, most of them down to one star, not all of them. Let's get them all down to one right. star. Like, let's make it a universal <laughs> one star rating across the board. I really mean that. Like, please, if you're out there and you're listening, go lower the ratings of these things. Like, I don't want to see two and a half stars. That's bullshit. I want to see one star everywhere. Um, so, you know, there was, a, there was a very, very hard backlash. The other side of it, though was there was a lot of positive feedback too. People people wrote to me and said thank you for for being the one, you know, comic that or not the one, but one of the comics that's that wasn't afraid to say that you didn't agree with it publicly. But you know, then it gets into the whole thing about well, you guys were friends and should you have said it privately and da 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 and I will insist on saying that I tried to and didn't have a chance to. So then it becomes, to me, it becomes a thing of like, okay, well, how long are you supposed to just go, I'll adapt to what you need me to adapt mm-hmm. to until you're ready. It's like after a while, you just get to a point, especially when you're in a place where your family member, you like my aunt was like a second mother to me, dies and this shit is all still coming in. You know, you're just like, oh, fuck this, man. Like, just leave me the fuck alone. I've said it. There, I just said it. I've said it publicly. Leave me alone. So, whatever. That all ran its course. Certainly not carrying any, you know, sort of axe to grind about any of that stuff. Because it was, we we spoke about it man to man on his show. I was disappointed after the fact that, like, when, like I said, we were kind of, like, theoretically moving back to this place of, like, trying to patch things up. He just... I don't know what the fuck happened, honestly. It's, I don't know. It was weird, you know? And then I was really surprised to hear him say, Jim Norton doesn't like Joe DeRosa. I know that for a fact. I was like, but we talked on the phone and he told me everything was cool. Like, I gave him the out to not be my friend anymore and he said no, that we were still friends. So why would, 
that kind of sucks. Like, yeah, you know, I'm getting called a, I'm getting called a backstabber and a weasel. How? I've said everything openly, publicly to people's faces. I went on Anthony's show and discussed it with him. Like, you know, like I don't understand what else I'm supposed to do. It's difficult slash impossible <clears throat> to change public perception of things like this. I mean, that's been my own experience sort of dealing with uh, rabid fan bases and stuff. It's like, it's just the more my experience has been the more for me, the more I say, the more I both wish I said more and wish I never said anything to begin with. Well, yeah, I mean, we live, we live, you know, and this goes back to what we were saying earlier about like, you know, how, how are people surprised at being depressed? I mean, we, we've, we, this is, this is the whole, by the way, the last 20 minutes of my new hour is, is called scum of the earth. And it's, it's just, it's about like everybody now has a Twitter, every feed, everybody has, excuse me or Twitter account, uh, everybody has a blog. Everybody can go on Amazon and rate anything from a garden hose to, you know, an Orson Welles movie. Uh, everybody can go and rate your business on Yelp. Everybody can fuck with your job now, like rate com and, <laughs> and all these, these things, you know? And it's like, you know, I have this whole thing about, like, you know, people don't even, like, I haven't heard, I'm sorry, Sorry, sarcastic now. I'm your problem. Sorry, deal, mm, deal. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, and it's just like, <laughs> just because you address that you're a piece of shit doesn't make you not a piece of shit. But here's where we, we are, and we've handed, we've handed the integrity of so many things over fully to the audience and to the consumer. And it's like, you know what, man? My best bosses, I worked in retail for many years before I did comedy, and my best bosses always said, the customer isn't always right. <laughs> a lot of these customers are fucking assholes, and we need to make sure that we determine who's who and what's what. And it, that's true. It's like, but we're in a situation now where it's 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 essentially, in, in many ways, it, it's almost terrorism. It's like, if you don't, Say the things we want you to say. If you don't act the way we want you to act, well, then we'll fuck your life up in any way we can online. And now, unfortunately, online, your life can get pretty fucked up. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, your 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 work and your income and and uh, and your integrity again, like all these things, can get pretty fucked up online. So when you start dealing with angry mobs of people that have nothing but time on their hands. <laughs> You know, these people that just sit home all day long and like, that's all they do. You know, it, it, what do you, what do you do? You know, but you know, I, I a, a very, very good friend of mine said something really insightful once to me and he goes, it doesn't exist. He was like, if it's online, it doesn't exist. And he's, he's in the business, like he knows what he's talking about. He's speaking from experience, but he goes, it, it doesn't exist. He's like, if you Google me, these are the first four pages of things that come up. And he was like, not fucking true. He's like, what are you going to do? So just, a, he's like, as long as you ignore it, it doesn't exist. And I was like, yeah, I guess that really is what it is. Because at the end of the day. Yeah, it's all, it's all air. It's ephemeral. Yeah. It's virtual. You know? So it's, yeah. It's like, when am I ever going to walk into a meeting 
And the person's going to be like, aren't you the guy that had that falling out with Jim <laughs> Norton in those? <laughs> I personally think you should have done this. Yeah, nobody never gives happen. a shit. It's like nobody gives a shit. I could shut my fucking Twitter off. Nobody would care. Nobody would ever be in a meeting be like, why, why don't you have a Twitter? Like <laughs> Nobody would give a fuck. It's, you know, I keep it around because I can plug my dates. I can let people know when a new podcast comes out or whatever. Once in a while, I think of a funny thing to write. It's like, who gives a shit about any of this? I'm never going to buy. I'm never not going to buy an album by a band I love because it only has a one star rating. I'm never not going to go to a restaurant that I really want to try because people said the service sucked. You know what I mean? And yet you won't use uh, an agency to find your adopt your birth parents because oh, of some comment point. there. That's a good Well, only because it's like, so much money. Yeah, that's it's different. so much money. But honestly, like I would. That's why I said, like, if I had if I had like millions of dollars, I would do it. I just can't. Uh, I'm too scared right now that I would spend the money and then it would be like, oh, God, that review was right. <laughs> right. They didn't find them. And now I have no money. left. <laughs> that's the only reason why, though. But, you know, like. Obviously, like if I'm buying, you know, I'm fucking, I, I'm gonna, I wanted to buy a foam roll bar today, whatever, for exercises. And it's like, you know, obviously I read the reviews of those, you know, but like I also don't think trolls are trolling mm-hmm. foam workout <laughs> bars. You know what I mean? Imagine if they were. Yeah. Like the stuff trolls troll. It's like, it's like, what? what who gives a yeah, shit? Yeah. Personality you know? driven. Yeah. I just wish, like, from from like an achievement standpoint and an experience standpoint, I just wish – I just hate that like you, you don't have to earn it anymore. You know, one of my favorite quotes ever is from sw- Swimming with uh, Sharks with Kevin Spacey and Frank Whaley. And Kevin Spacey's this like son of a bitch boss, you know, and, and, and Frank Whaley's like, you're a fucking asshole and you're – you know, and he's just like really – laying into Kevin Spacey and Kevin Spacey's like, Oh, what you think because you want it, you deserve it. You got to earn it. And that quote always stuck with me. I was just like, yeah, like nobody earns anything anymore. You know, everybody can make an album with garage band. Everybody can put up a website for $20. Everybody can go be a critic of food or art or whatever online. You know, everybody can, call their website their business uh, nobody everybody that has a blog is suddenly a professional writer <laughs> everybody that's a podcast is a broadcaster it's like you don't have to earn anything anymore there's no filter you can record any lump of shit you want and put it into any online digital store why are you pointing at all of our equipment <laughs> well i'm just pointing at his computer <laughs> like yeah but do you know what i mean yes it drives me nuts when people go well tower record still exists it's itunes it's like no, it's not. Because you know the difference is? Any guy couldn't walk into Tower Records and just put his album on the shelf and be like, here, you sell it now. Like, you can do that on iTunes. And iTunes is great for a lot of reasons. Right. But it also sucks for some reasons, too, you know? So, I, you know, that's kind of my take on the whole thing. It was just like... And, and, and to circle back to the, to, the, to the question about O&A and all that stuff, like... That was the part that bummed me out about all of it was like that, like, regardless of who was wrong or right or or whatever, any of that shit, whether I was at fault for handling things the way I did or or 
anybody else was at fault for things or, or or whatever. What bothered me was at the end of the day, you know, some grown men that have history together executed, you know, the, this 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 grievance or whatever you want to call it. You know, at the hands of like people that are acting like sixteen-year-olds online, and it's just like, uh, you know, that to me is the worst part of it. It's like, it's like, why the fuck did these people get to come to the table on this? Mm. You know what I mean? They're not part of this. This is between us. You know. And again, I'm not absolving myself of fault in that. I'm just saying that was the part that I was most disappointed in with for everybody. I was just like, what the fuck are we doing? This is. Right, it was such a public spectacle. This is just so dumb. Yeah, and everybody's just can chime in, and it's so fucking stupid. You know, it's like, uh, I, well, to bring it full, full circle, I just want to have fun. Like, I, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> well, speaking of fun, look, a segue. Let's do Just Me or Everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me? Or everyone. All right. So this is where people write in with things they think or do, and they wonder, is it just me or everyone? And then we say whether we also do these things. So Sasha McGillicuddy says, just me or everyone, waking up in fear, thinking I rolled over and suffocated my dog in my sleep, but she's just sleeping too. Hashtag small dog problems. I think it's everyone. Yeah. Do you feel like you've rolled over on your dog? Uh, No, but I've heard other people... That doesn't seem unrealistic to right. me. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, Chris in the Gorge says, wife and I make up nicknames for strangers based on looks or habits, e.g. Uh, Captain Ear Hair, Snippy McBitch, Mr. Shuffles. Everyone. Yeah. Easily. That's everyone. Yeah. Jamo, oh, someone who's named themselves Jamo, says, hate hand lotions that advertise moisture that lasts 24 hours. No, it lasts until the next time I wash my hands. That's right. I don't think there's any moisturizer for the last 24 hours. Yeah. All right. Everyone. Everyone. Matt, I have a friend who, when it hit one of his com- complaints about this segment is that we don't always rule just me or everyone at the end. We just discuss it. He would love you. Okay. Yeah. What's to discuss? <laughs> I'm it's just saying. Either everyone gets it or yeah. only that guy gets it. Matt G yeah. says... Whenever I'm finishing a drink, I try to get as much liquid out as possible before the straw makes that awful slurping sound. You know, I'm kind of okay with that slurping sound if I'm making it. Sometimes I realize I'm, I need to be more aware that this is a super obnoxious sound to other people. Because I'll slurp away. I just do it. I drink until it. I hear the first like tick of it. And uh-huh. then I'm like, okay, it's done. All right. That's how I do it. That's plight. Even if you're home alone? Yeah, I'll just feel like as soon as I hear like the... For a second, I'm like, oh, okay, it's done. All right. Yeah. J-Mo's and Bobo says, massage places on every corner. Are they legitimate or jizz factories? She That's wonders that. A... Well, she, like, is it just her uh, that no, I wonder that? that about every massage place okay. I ever see. Yeah. And yeah. J-Mo's and Bobo's also says, don't understand people who sit for hours waiting for their car to be fixed. Do they not have one friend? Um, I was actually thinking about this when I grabbed that one earlier for this. I was thinking... If it's like an hour or something, I wouldn't mind waiting. Like that's some quality magazine Twitter time. Right. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It depends how long. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Megan Burke says, "Just mirror everyone." Uh, oh, this is from the Thursday. So this is from a Thursday episode a long time ago. Can't stand it when I have salad and something hot touching on my plate. Who wants hot salad? 
hashtag not me. Because we, oh, I know, we were talking about Dustin needing to keep all the food on his plate separate. Right, Jeff? I'm looking at you. Uh, I think that's what it was. And I was asking, he was, I think he was saying he was getting better about, or he doesn't like to mix foods. And I was asking, I was trying to figure out what mixtures really bother him. Could he handle spaghetti touching salad? Oh, the only thing I thought of was, wasn't, wasn't he the guy that said he liked salad last? Was I can't remember now. That's the only salad thing I remember. But it was a riveting talk about yeah, salads clearly. and food. Um, yeah, I don't mind when the food touches a little bit. I don't like if it totally mixes, but right. yeah, I don't mind. I'm okay with warm lettuce on occasion. Kitten says, didn't think I had to pee that badly, but as soon as I'm in the bathroom, can't get my pants down fast enough. That is a not always thing, but I have had that feeling before. I think that's everyone. Yeah. I agree. Especially now. So um, I'm trying to get pregnant, which is a whole thing. And it, sometimes of the month it involves dipping these sticks in my urine. Let me tell you more. <laughs> uh, to see if I'm ovulating. And so that especially is when like I'll, I'll really need to pee and then I'll think, oh, I should be testing my urine and then having to get the stick out and, and manage sure. all of that is like wet pants city. Okay, and then lastly, Jeremy P. says, can't tolerate raisins now that dried cranberries, cherries, and various berries are readily munchable. Hashtag cranberry cashew mix. I don't personally have that. In fact, I feel like craisins are overrated. I prefer yeah. a raisin. They're good. I mean, but yeah, I, I like both. But yeah, that's just him. Yeah. Just All him. right. Just him. I have to agree. Yeah. I, I had some craisins the other day and I was so I was so crestfallen. I just couldn't deal with them. They look like they'd be exciting. Yeah. And then they're just so tart. Yeah, I so well, I so would rather have raisins. If you don't get the ones that they had if they don't if you get the natural ones that they don't add sugar to, they're they're tart. But I mean if you get the ones they add sugar to, they're much better. Yeah. But then that's really bad for you. Yeah, it's candy. Yeah. I still would prefer a raisin. But I think raisins are also bad for you. Um, I mean in terms if of you can just get being natural sh- raisins, they're not that bad. I don't even know if I've ever had a natural raisin. Yeah, you just got to read the. I think a, I think Trader Joe's has raisins that don't have sugar oh, added, and you know that you would can, make you sense. You can find them. It's very Trader Joe's. Yeah. Where are you with like dried cherries or something like that? I don't give a shit. Really? <laughs> then I won't subscribe you to my new magazine, Dried Cherry Monthly. All right, because that's how much I care. I appreciate you not subscribing. Me. <laughs> You're gonna have no to interest. actually. You're gonna have to unsubscribe. Is what I'm saying. All right. You are enough. subscribed, but you can you can opt out. Well, Joe DeRosa, this has been delightful. I had a nice time. It was a heavy talk, but I do that no, sometimes. Please, I, I I liked it. I hope I wasn't too heavy. And uh, no, I don't think you were. Thank you for doing my podcast. You're welcome. <laughs> it was a surprise, but I'm very excited to be on it, and I hope that your listeners love it. Um, we have a ringtone available. Hey, hey. Go fuck yourself. You need this. Get this by searching Hey Go Fuck Yourself on your iPhone in the iTunes store. Soon to be available on not just iOS, like moments away from all of that. And we have two special bonus episodes available recorded live at the LA Podcast Festival. The first one with Doug Benson and Greg Proops. The next one with Doug Benson, musician Matt Costa, and the former Thursday Gang. And those are $1.99 in the comedy album section of the iTunes store. If you're going to buy something on Amazon, which you are, because they have everything, you could buy some craisins or natural raisins or other dried things or totally different things too. Click through the Amazon banner on my website, alisonrosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra. It helps out the show. Thank you so much for your Amazon support. Thank you for your PayPal support. There's PayPal links on the right side of my website, alisonrosen.com. Joe, um, where should people go to find you and what do you want them to look out for and uh, plug all your stuff? Thank you. 
Uh, I'll be at the Blue Whale Festival in Tulsa, Oklahoma, with tons of awesome people. Um, uh, that's this. That's June sometime. I can't remember the dates. Uh, and then uh, I'll be at the Montreal Comedy Festival in July. Uh, also be at Flappers, headlining a weekend in the main room in July. Uh, and I will be at the Outside Lands Festival in San Francisco in August. So that's pretty much the summer. So come check it out. Thank you. One star ratings. Don't forget. Get those <laughs> albums ratings down. And on Twitter, you're Joe DeRosa Comedy. Yes. And on Twitter, I am at Allison Rosen. The show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F. Email us, show at gmail.com. And Jeff, where should we go for you? Proving Joe's theory that everybody has a Twitter feed and a podcast, you can find me at Colonel <laughs> Jeff Fox on social media and download the new episode of my podcast, Barracuda Radio, where I do an interview with Chris Manley, the director of photography for Mad Men. It's very illuminating. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thank you. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time. Yeah, Allison Rosen is your new best friend.